Finally, if you're wondering, you're looking at my uh, in, uh, pointer finger on my left hand, I know that you're going to all be distracted. So I'll just tell you what happened. I cut off part of my finger. It's not growing back. It's going to be a little divot now for the rest of my life. And I found the piece. Just so my, my children did not eat it in the midst of the chicken. I was like, oh, and I looked down. I was like, oh, sweet. Oh, God. Oh, God. I grabbed a paper towel, and I was like, oh, that's a big piece. And I looked back at the chicken. I was like, oh, no, it's in the chicken. <laughs> I was like, it'll be all right. It'll break down in their bodies. Like, no, 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 that's bad fathering. That's bad fathering. So I went and found it. So that's what's happened. Welcome to Life Church. We're so glad you're with us today. Hey, we're, we're continuing our series, Don't Move That. Don't move that as we begin this new year. The first weeks of January every year, right? Always. They're always a time and space filled with, with a lot of moving on, a lot of turning over, a lot of new things in general and in particular. We wanted to use this particular environment of new and moving things around to talk about some other kinds of things, some things that should stay, some things that should remain, some things that uh, should get old and worn out in your world. You know what I'm talking about. You know that chair that she wants you to get rid of? but it just feels so nice, right? It's crafted for you. It doesn't fit the rest of the furniture, but it fits you if you know what I mean. I'm talking about that t-shirt that you try on every day and your family looks at you like still, you are still wearing that t-shirt and you feel like, no, 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 this t-shirt is wearing me. Like it has become part of who you are and the sad day will come and it's come to me numerous times where you take that t-shirt out of the dryer and it's just the collar. I'm talking about the things that are old and worn because they have been used. It is oftentimes some of the old things that when we use them over and over and over again, these are the things that actually make us new. We're, we're not going to work through an exhaustive list of dynamics and Maybe we won't even mention some things that you would say are critical. That's awesome. I'm so glad that there are things that are critical to your development, critical to your relationship with Jesus Christ, critical to you being made new over and over again. I want to encourage you to refresh those things, keep those things, wear those things out in your life. As I get older, and I've been following Jesus, been walking with Jesus for about 20 years, I've realized more and more it is indeed about recognizing he invites us to follow him, not arrive at him. In our culture, in our day and age, it's all about success. It's all about arriving. It's all about climbing the ladder to the next place, the next financial bracket, the next layer of business, the next sphere of influence, whatever. But Jesus says, hey, no, it's much more as we look about the Hebrew tradition, the Jewish tradition is all about practice. You don't get perfect, you practice. You keep trying, you keep learning, you keep engaging, you keep changing, you keep realizing you're not that great. So the first couple of weeks we spent talking about God's word as something we should never move out of our lives. Last week my wife preached about Jesus. Jesus should never be reprioritized and minimized. He should always be present in our lives. And this week we're talking about confession. That's what I thought. Everybody's like, I, I forget, I have an appointment. I gotta 
get up out of here. Uh, we're just going to speak on confession this morning. We actually shared a series in 2017. You can go online to our website and listen to it called The Healing That Hurts. And I was not talking about chopping chicken with my finger, but I was speaking about, we were speaking about confession. And so we're talking about just one thing that my wife shared so eloquently and wonderfully and practically about Jesus. Last week we shared about God's word the week before. Next week we're going to be talking about worship. We're just trying to hit the highlights and talk about we're not delving deep. There are so many places and spaces we can go when you talk about confession, but we're just, we just want to hand it to you in the midst of this conversation of don't move that. So our hallmark scriptures this morning, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. And I so appreciated Tanya's perspective as she studied the scriptures. And this is not a boundary line to keep us out of something. It is a boundary line to recognize what is ours. What do we have authority over? What do we have an inheritance in? That God would say, hey, you got to stay here, not stay here. You get to have all of this. In the same way we read the scriptures, we read about... The Genesis poem, the creation narrative, and they talk about with Adam and Eve, hey, of all the trees you can eat, but the one tree, don't. I don't know about you, but so many times I've heard that story and listened to it preach. I think of it like being like two trees or three trees, and one of them I can't eat, like a third of the whatever. And there's like all the trees you can eat from, but don't eat from the one. It's interesting how we so routinely bend into what we cannot have. We lose sight of all that God has graced us for. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaks in verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Say fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus shows up and he doesn't bring anything new. He points to everything that's been around. He gives it new context. He helps us to be revelated towards the truth and understand and apply it. But Jesus does not bring a new thing, do away with the old thing. He says, hey, the old thing's going to bring you into the new thing. You're just doing it wrong. Let's pray. Father, we ask that um, you just help us. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you are committed to us. Your word declares that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. And so we open our hearts and minds to hear your voice today as we continue to enter into this conversation of don't move that. Help us to understand, not just to know, but to actually live and apply the word of God in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, remember he said, amen. I mentioned last week as we did the practice of confession and worship, but I want to define confession. Very simply put, the act of confession is the act of truth-telling about oneself. Truth-telling about oneself for the purpose of letting go, choosing better, walking out on oneself, your thoughts, your actions, your feelings of shame, disappointment, and into what God has, embracing health, freedom, and new. Confession is an accepted good thing. 
coming clean, speaking truth about oneself, the acceptance of telling and telling of reality. These are all actions, exploits, and, and steps that are not only coveted, but they are consistently constructive. No one stops you when he says, you know, I've learned something about myself and I want to share my heart with you. No one's like, no, 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 keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want you to discover what God has for you. I just want you to stay the way you have always been. Nobody does that. When someone comes to you and says, hey, you know what? I've been struggling with something in my life and I just want to share it with you. I want, to, I want you to speak into my life. Nobody looks down on that. In fact, I don't know about you, but when people come to me and they say, hey, there's this thing in my marriage, this is unhealthy dynamic. I just had a conversation this week with a friend of mine, and we're both sharing how we are idiots. Can I get an amen? And we, we had like a 30-minute conversation. We were laughing, we were crying, we were getting angry with each other, with ourselves. And we're saying, hey, we've been married for 16 years. We want to be married for another 60 years. Help us do this, Jesus. We had this great conversation, and he was telling me about all the mistakes that he made, and I'm just talking about all the mistakes that he made. It was a great conversation. <laughs> but, you know, in the midst of that, I realized this is... This is good. And when I mean good, I don't just mean not bad. I mean biblical good, like productive. This is going to bear fruit in my friend's life. This is going to bear fruit in my life. Confession, truth-telling about ourselves will all us always, always lead us to what God intended. And so even though confession is revered universally, we don't apply it liberally. Why don't we confess on a regular basis? Why don't we open up and share honestly and transparently? I mean, we seem very willing to share hellosocialmedia.com. Like, we're very open to always talking and having something to say. Why don't we be honest? Why are we less inclined to be transparent and open about our lives and our souls with people who love us and care for us, but we're more than willing to be open and honest about how that outfit looks or how that dinner plate looks or how, I mean, Lord Jesus, do you remember the days when we just ate our food, we didn't just take pictures of it? Do you remember? And I don't mind that. In fact, my wife and I were on a date last night. We order our food and I wait. Photo op that I am not in, maybe my fingertips, actually not my fingertips this time. <laughs> and I'm cool with that. But I would submit to you, confession isn't just something we can do, it's something we need to do. It's something we need to do. It's something that you need to do. Now, if you're sitting here, you might be thinking, who are you, Christoph, telling me that I need to confess? I don't need, you need to confess. Who are you telling me I should or need to confess? I'll tell you who I am. I'm a human. I'm a human just like you. And our shared humanity causes us to be not that dissimilar from one another. Your humanity beckons for confession to exist. The fact that you are a living, breathing human with a soul means that you need to eat food, drink water, and probably, hello, need to confess. Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to have a public confession opportunity for you here. Just relax. But very quickly, I would suggest there are at least three habits of what it means to be human that offer us constant space for confession. So we as humans, and this would be a, a shallow list, but the fact of the matter is we hurt. We hurt. Why do we need to confess? Because we hurt. 
We hurt other people, sometimes with malice, sometimes unbeknownst to ourselves. We hurt other people. And as we discover those moments, we would be well served to confess and apologize and have open, transparent conversation and discussion about that. We also hurt in terms of people doing things to us. And what happens is we end up not talking about the hurt, whether we do it or it is done to us, and we act like we move on, but it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. And when something sits, it festers. If it doesn't move through, if it doesn't get attention, if it doesn't get the, the soul time that it needs, it ain't getting better by itself, church. So frame number one that we need to confess more is, church, we hurt. Just sometimes we trip, sometimes we get pushed. But either way, we hurt. Another reason that we need to confess is we hunger. Humans hunger. We want. We desire. We crave intimacy. We want to be known. We want to know others. I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes years ago make this statement. He says, what happens when you have a legitimate need but an illegitimate solution? You sin. We ignore legitimate needs until we have something that we can maybe take or grab or make for ourselves. But the fact of the matter is deal honestly with your hunger. You are hungry. You're hungry for physical touch. You're hungry for physical intimacy. You're hungry for success. You are hungry to move on. You're hungry to achieve. That's okay. Be honest with the fact that you're hungry. You might need to talk about it. You might even need to verbalize it to the cosmos. You might even need to talk to Jesus, talk to God's Holy Spirit about it. You may, may, may even have to talk to another human being. We are all so well served. I was listening to this thing, this podcast the other day, and I, they were talking about doing this exercise. And you should enter into this practice of confession and, and mindfulness, compassion, and being present with yourself. And I'm like, this is the dumb, wouldn't you be present with myself? I'm not present with anybody, just, I'm just me. But I was like, okay, I committed to listen to this seven and a half hour book on Audible. Not in one sitting, I ain't, got, ain't nobody got time for that. But I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was like, okay, I'll just do this. And I just started talking. I just started confessing the things that hurt, the things that are frustrating, the things that are painful. And I started to cry. Like a ding-dong, just started to cry. I'm sure somebody walked I was in the parking lot of, a, of, a, of a stores all around. People were walking by, and I was crying all by myself. Did that all by myself. Just because I started to verbalize. Nothing new. I knew it was there, but I'd never spoken it. But when I started to speak it into existence, it was like, God was like, come on, let it out, buddy. Let it out. Let it out. We hunger. We want. And when we don't have those desires, it is, listen to me, I don't mean to be negative, but it is only a matter of time before the world, the cosmos, things, if you want to give the devil more authority than he's wanted to, the devil is lurking in your life, then fine, call it the devil. But it's only a matter of time before an illegitimate solution presents itself to your legitimate need. And if you are not talking about it, if you are not sharing it, if you are not honoring it and giving it the space to find a healthy place, you will sin, you will remove yourself from what God has, you will miss the mark, you will hurt yourself. We hunger. The third thing is that as human beings, we harbor. Man, we hang on to things. You don't even have to try to hang on to things, but you do. And oftentimes, we don't even realize we're hanging on to things. It just makes us angry. It just makes us frustrated. It makes us short. 
Not physically, but emotionally. I can't tell you how many times my wife, who's an incredible woman, looks at me and she's like, are you okay? What she's really saying is, you are not okay. You need to figure out why you are not okay. <laughs> and I, it, I, it's taken me 20 years of relationship to figure that out. When she says, hey, babe, are you okay? That's like, I don't know. I need to go away for a while and uh, figure that out. We hang on to them. But there are so many times Tiny looks at me and says, baby, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But since you're saying that, obviously, I'm probably not. I'm going to go up to our bedroom for a little bit. We hang on to stuff. We harbor. And I'm here to tell you, yes, we're in church. Jesus is the answer to everything. But Jesus, don't just say Jesus. I mean, you can. And honestly, I've found that to help. Sometimes I've been places and spaces. I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Help me, help me. But Jesus gives us tools. This is how you're supposed to be human. That's what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all about. It's tools. Don't covet. Be honest. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's given us tools on how we are supposed to be human. And one of those tools is confession. We need confession. The way we live our lives necessitates it. I firmly believe our lack of confession as a culture is one of our most incriminating customs. There are so many times, and we're coming up on election season as if it's not ever election season, but something's going to come up about, about this one or about that one, and they just deny, deny, deny. We're all like, the tape was there. Like, we saw you. We heard you. We all know. There are 43 people that have testified in court that you did it. Wasn't me. I, didn't, I have no recollection. Just say you did it and move on. Here's the thing. Without confession, you can't move on. You end up carrying all this baggage and all this stuff, and you are crazy. You are kidding yourself if you think it doesn't affect you. Here's the thing I have become increasingly aware of. Our bodies and souls are highly tuned sensors. We are feeling things. We are experiencing things that we have no idea are really going on in the depths of who we are. There's a great book called The Body Keeps Score. I'll be honest, I haven't read it. I've only read excerpts of it. But the whole concept is that when something happens to you, whether traumatic or celebratory or anything else in between, your soul remembers it. You might not remember, but your body remembers it. And it keeps it with you unless you deal with it, you talk about it, you, you hold it, you, 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 you heal about it, you, whatever it is that you need to do to work through it. Your soul remembers. We are highly tuned senses. When I was growing up, and they talked about young, with young people, hey, when you have an opportunity for this circumstance or you get scared, we go into fight or flight mode. Fight or flight, fight or flight. And it was always like, huh, 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 huh. Like that's what they always talked about. But now they added a third one. Did you know this? Or maybe they always had a third one, but I just didn't pay attention long enough to listen. But now it's like when something happens, we either fight, we fight, or we freeze. And I'm like, I was listening to something, I was like, that's a new one. But that's absolutely something I do. I'm not the fight kind of guy. I'm a lover. I'm not a flight kind of guy because uh, I just don't like to run. 
I'm more of a like, maybe it'll pass me by. So when things happen to us, again, whether there's malice involved, somebody evil, or it's just the way the world unpacks. Randy Posh, the author of The Last Lecture, has this beautiful quotation. He says, we don't get to choose the hands that we're dealt, just how we play the hand. The Bible says it this way, the rain falls on the good and the bad. And so we have to engage and deal honestly with what just happened to us. What took place? And maybe we didn't realize it in the moment, but we would be well served to confess and speak to it again. Confession is not just about our sin. It's about our humanity, our hurts, our hungers, what we're harboring. Our bodies and our souls are highly attuned sensors. I, I, I've learned this through an interesting way. Uh, when I was growing up, my father was a college professor at William & Mary, and he had this red shag carpet, like real, I can't even like think about it. It was like as big as, not just as tall as, but as thick as my finger, this red shag carpet. And I don't know about you, but like professors are very smart. They don't believe in cleaning, and they certainly don't believe in vacuuming red shag carpet, even if their children are laying on it. And so I would lay on that carpet, and I was like, <gasps> and I'm like coloring, and my, I was like, Dad, are we done yet? And he's like, nope, nope, we're going to be here for a couple more hours, buddy. And I'm like, <gasps> to this day, like the schoonmakers came over to our house the other night, and Angie was wearing this sweater, and it was like, had all these tendrils. And I was like, and it's not, I don't, I'm like, I'm not a germy person. I'm like, I haven't washed my hands in I don't know how long. It's fine. Like, I don't care about that. By the way, I'll, hear to sh I'll be here to shake hands on your way out of church. But like, some people look at stuff like that or sweaters like that, and they're like, oh, or people with beards, you know, and you're like, hey, you know, they're, you know, uh, there's that, that was last week food up in there. Like, come on, help a brother out. But it wasn't, it's not like the germs of her like sweater, but it's just like the, <gasps> I'm like, hey, Justin, good to see you. Angie. And I was sharing this with the church staff team, and uh, they were like super empathetic, like, yeah, you're a freak. <laughs> and I came in the next day, and they had attached a pink shag carpet to my office door. And I was like, in this weird space of like, if I try and open the door, I might asphyxiate myself. I, I don't know, like, it's a, <gasps> and so we had got, we got a new carpet in the middle entrance because the former got destroyed, but it's a little, just a little shaggy. And I, and I went in there, and I was like, and uh, Jay and Ryan were like, what do you think of it? And I was like, yeah, I think it's great. And I walked out. Why do you say all that, Christoph? I don't know. <laughs> no, I say all that to say this. Like, I don't tell myself. My soul remembers. There's a physiological response. Response. My mind, my body, actually, like, I don't try to be a weirdo when I see shag carpet or when you come at me with your, like, shaggy sweater. Like, my body just reacts. My soul is like, Ugh. Your soul does that, and we need to let it go. We need to truth tell about where we are. We need to truth tell about where we've been so we can really get to where we want to go. God offers us a tool of confession. 
As I mentioned last week in our practice of confession, silence, and assurance, I don't think for a moment we lack confession because we find it evil or wrong or because we think we don't need it or, or we, we don't think we're benefited by it. I believe we lack confession for two very simple reasons. Number one, we don't make time for it. And number two, we honestly don't know how to do it. We honestly don't know how to do it. So let's talk about it. First of all, making time. Church, we all make time for things that are important to us. The problem, of course, is we say this is important to us, but then we don't make time for it. What that communicates is that isn't really that important. And that's okay. Don't keep talking about that thing as if it's important if you're not willing to make time for it. We need to prioritize God's word. We need to prioritize Jesus and his presence. We need to, pri he does not force his way. And in fact, Revelation 3 says, he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. God is not a bully. He does not force his way into your life. If you are waiting for him to manhandle you, you will be waiting for the rest of your life and you will be angry at him for not being, loving, for not being unloving, for not being a bully. But God is not those things. He waits for you to say, would you help me? Would you come in? And so when we're speaking about confession, we have to make time. God can work with anyone and anything as long as that thing or that person is open. When we're closed, there is nothing anyone can do, not even the creator of the universe. It is incumbent upon us and only us to choose to be open, honest, transparent and have a life that is rife with confession. I had a real painful conversation with my wife a couple weeks ago. She's like, hey, I want to sit down and I want to have a conversation about our goals. And I was like, I want to stab myself in the eye with a spoon. Can we do them at the same time? Same time? And so we sat down and she's like, let's talk about the kids. And I was like, yeah, we could do that. She's like, let's talk about our finances. I'm like, yeah, we could do that. She said, let's talk about a marriage. I'm like, mm, let's not. Let's skip to the next one. What's next? What's next? She said, let's talk about us. I'm like, hmm. And so we started having this conversation about us and our marriage. Because do you know that marriage takes work? If you ain't working for your marriage, your marriage ain't going to work. See how I did that? That means it's true. But when you're talking about making time and effort, you've got to make space to assess, am I hurt? Because the vast majority of us maybe don't even realize we have hurts, hungers, or we're harboring something. We need to just have a minute and talk about it. Maybe with a friend, maybe with Jesus, maybe just on a walk or whatever. We have to make time. If those who are going to prepare communion, if you could come and, and do that now. You have to take time and make time. James 5, we spoke about this last week, uh, speaks of confession, but it speaks to it in terms of agricultural production. It speaks to it in terms of the rain falling and bearing out. That, the point is when you make time, you've got to then give it time. You have to continue to give it time. And there's often a process, even with a tool like confession. So often we bury things. We bury our talents. We bury our giftings. We bury our needs to confess. But just because you bury something, church, doesn't mean it goes away. 
In Joshua chapter 6 to, and 7 and 8, the nation of Israel surrounds the, the walls of Jericho and they crumble and they fall and they have this incredible victory. And then the very next chapter, they're, they're attacking another town, Ai, that's actually smaller and less demonstrative than Jericho, but they fail. You know why? Because someone had buried something. You think the buried thing isn't affecting you, you're wrong. And let me tell you this, nobody cares what you buried. It's the issue that you buried it that is the problem, that, it, that needs attention. How big your sin is, the shape, the size, that doesn't matter. It only matters when you're burying it. Go on, stand with me this morning. So we have to make time for confession. Then we have to ask and speak it out. Maybe we need to ask others, hey, is there something in me that I'm a little short on or I get really angry or frustrated about when you talk about it? Do you see something in me? Because often maybe we don't know we hurt or we are hurting. Maybe we don't know we have these hungers or these things. It was interesting having this conversation with my friend about his marriage and my marriage. We both, we're, come on, somebody, we're husbands, we're men. We got things, we got try to figure this thing out. Didn't come with a manual. And Lord Jesus, help me. My children are going to be raised in a church where they have fathers, not just teachers. Our children will not be raised in a place where people just tell them to do, but we are going to walk with them. The Bible says everybody's got to be, everybody wants to be a teacher, everybody wants to be instructed, but ain't got no fathers. Nobody to walk with me, nobody to love me, nobody to care me, nobody to tell me the truth and help me out. It's not a new problem, it's an old problem. I got all fired up, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about asking and speaking. We talking about my, with this with my friend and he's sharing and I'm like, hey, there's some other things. He's like, yeah, now that you ask, there are some other things. And he was telling me, I'm like, man, this phone call, I didn't call you, you called me. Don't tell me. But we need to ask other people, allow them to speak into our lives. Maybe, here's the thing. When was the last time you asked God about your soul, about your life? I guarantee you, you can hear the voice of God. You know why I know that? Because I know he loves you. He gave Jesus. He's not stopping at that one little thing in your life. He's going to tell you, but you're not taking the time to listen. You're not asking the question. So we have to make time and we have to ask. And then once we recognize, man, this is the hunger, this is the hurt, this is the thing that I'm harboring, then we have to speak it out. You don't have to go to a priest. The Bible says you are a priest. You tell him. You release it. You don't have to shout it being appropriate. Maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody. Maybe you don't. Confession is about truth-telling oneself. And so we're going to do that in the context of communion this morning. And Father, we just pray that you bless the bread and the cup. Bless this time. We are giving you this time. We mark it off right now. We are giving you this time to confess. Help us, Holy Spirit, speak to us, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We have uh, bread and cup in the front. We also have bread and cup in the back. We're going to do this more efficiently. Uh, there's only gluten-free Jesus in the front, Nancy and Brenda. So go ahead and get the bread and the cup. We will celebrate communion together. You can go to the front or to the back.
So you hold your hands the bread and the cup. A reminder of the body of Jesus that was broken. The blood that was spilled. So that we can have entrance into relationship with God. So that our ears can be revelated to the reality that we are attuned now to the voice of God himself. So, Father, we just pray right now with this great reminder. Would you speak to us? We give you this moment. We, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, but we're, we're giving you this time as well that you would speak to us. Pinpoint those areas of hurt, those hungers, maybe those things that we're harboring that we need to confess, that we can confess. excerpt from a book as you're holding the bread and the cup. For the Life of the World by Alexander Schmeyman. Schmeyman. That's great. I love names that are weird like Fahrenbach. Makes me feel better. He says, the church itself was the new and heavenly Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was by contrast unimportant. The fact that Christ comes and is present was far more significant than the places where he had been. The historical reality of Christ was, of course, the undisputed ground of the early Christians' faith, yet they did not so much remember him as know he was with them. In him was the end of religion because he himself was the answer to all religion, to all human hunger for God, because in him the life that was lost by man and which could only be symbolized, signified, asked for in religion was restored to man. Continues on talking about communion. And thus, this offering to God of bread and wine, of the food that we must eat in order to live, is our offering to him of ourselves, of our life, and of the whole world. We offer the world and ourselves to God, but we do it in Christ and in remembrance of him. Remembrance is an act of love. God remembers us and his remembrance. 
His love is the foundation of the world. In Christ, we remember. We become again beings open to love, and we remember. The church, in its separation from this world, on its journey to heaven, remembers the world, remembers all men, remembers the whole of creation, takes it in love to God. The Eucharist, communion celebration, being grateful of what he has accomplished, is the sacrament of cosmic remembrance. It is indeed a restoration of love as the very life of the world. And so when Paul writes to us and he says, hey, when you take the bread in your cup, remember me. He is quoting Jesus. He's not referencing Sarah McLaughlin. I will remember you. I will remember. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not trying to have an emotional moment. He's saying, do you remember? Do you know what I've done? Are you aware of everything that is finished? I know it feels good to be emotional from time to time. But God isn't looking for an emotional moment. He's looking for an open soul that he can heal, he can encourage, he can strengthen. So Father, we thank you for the bread and the cup this morning. We thank you for what you've done and everything you invite us into. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, partake of the bread and the cup. going to wrap up in just a moment if you're like, hey, Christoph, I did legs yesterday. This is getting old real fast. Wanna, we're going to read the benediction together. We're going to just kind of sit in some space. If you'd like to sit down, in fact, everybody just sit down so it's not awkward. If you need to sit down, sit down. But let's read the benediction and Danny's going to just give us a moment. Let's read it together. You ready, church? Remember, we don't condemn our neighbors who read faster, who ignore grammatical truths. You ready? All right. May we make space for and develop a practice of confession. May our lives be marked with truth-telling on ourselves and mercy-giving to others. May we hear others, Christ included, for our opportunities to confess.
Go and stand with me, church. If you haven't signed up for a, a winner group, we'd love for you to do that. They're going to start kicking off this week. You can get in uh, once they begin, but we all know that oftentimes when things start going, it gets even more difficult for us to feel like we can join something. So uh, we would encourage you to prioritize that, make time for that. Also, women, sign up for Devoted immediately following our gathering. We want everybody involved. We want everybody to be blessed by that. But let's read our benediction one more time together. You ready, church? May we make space for and develop a practice of confession. May our lives be marked with truth-telling on ourselves and mercy-giving to others. May we hear others, Christ included, for our opportunities to confess. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. Love you all so much. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.